Thank you, Alan, Bill, choir. I couldn't help but think as I was sitting there, what it would be like for all of us to come into worship every Sunday with just those first four words on our hearts, here I am, Lord. Or to wake every day with just those four words, here I am, Lord. Well, here I am. I'm glad to be back here. I wasn't here last week with you. I'm sure you noticed. Um, But I was down in Macon. I got to go listen to one of our own, Mike Veal, who was singing lead for the Greg Allman Laidback Legacy Band in Macon, Georgia. I had a great time. It It was a lot of fun. Um, I'd never heard Mike sing, so that in and of itself was impressive. Uh, this is not my line. This is from his wife to say, who knew that that much sound could come out of that little fellow? Um, it, was, it was cool, and it's one of the bands that I grew up on, so uh, the Allman Brothers and, uh, and Greg Allman, so I enjoyed it. Um, I don't know if you saw, I tried to post some of my experiences, my memories on Instagram, Uh, I'm sure you follow me on Instagram. If you don't, there's a shameless plug. Um, But you know, like video and then a couple of pictures. I went to the museum, the Allman Brothers Museum and all that. And um, I I like Instagram. So as far as social media goes, all the different platforms, I I like Instagram. And I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best on Instagram. I've pretty much given up on Facebook, that place. Um, You know, between the reputation that they've started to develop and just it seems to be a breeding ground for trolls anymore, just looking to pick a fight. And so I don't know, I just don't do as much on Facebook anymore. Or Twitter, it's kind of, I don't know, I'm, I'm all right, I'm safe there, I feel like. I, I guess it's because of who I follow and who follows me that, it, you know, it doesn't seem to be too much trouble and I can follow and get news pretty easily, quickly on there. Um, but I, I like Instagram, it's pictures. I mean, you just can't, it can't go wrong with just sharing pictures most of the time of just life and our experiences. Um, I do have a Snapchat, but I, I, uh, I don't, I confess I don't use it, I've never used it. And, and honestly, TikTok is where social media leaves me behind. I don't, I don't, even, I don't even know. I know it's a thing. But, um, but I don't know, I find myself enjoying Instagram. So I'm posting those pictures from my experiences this past weekend. And uh, as I was putting the pictures, then I got caught up in the filters that you can put on your pictures. Anybody? Instagram? Does that ring a bell with anybody? There's four hands. Great. This is going to go... <laughs> It's going to go amazing. Um, but I, I don't know, um, on Instagram, when you post a picture, then you've got a choice before you publish it or whatever that you can scroll through all these different filters that'll change the appearance of the picture. I mean, you can change the color, the hue, the tone, the saturation. Like, I mean, you can do some, I guess, sophisticated things with it. And, um, and so I, I find myself when I'm putting something on Instagram, I get caught just scrolling through all of the filters and changing them and seeing what the picture could look like and figuring out just what filter I want to put on my picture to present it in just the right way to all two people that are going to see it, you know. And I mean, it's not just Instagram, I guess. You know, a photographer can do the same thing, put filters on photos or, or digitally alter them, Photoshop, uh, to make it look just right, you know, just to, to give just the right appearance to whatever experience or memory or picture that you're trying to share. And I guess in some way, probably all of social media is that way. That, that it's a, it serves as a filter of sorts that we can present what we want to present to one another and to the world, so to speak. 
And maybe in some way we approach all of life that way. We filter it to share what we want to share. I mean, it's the same thing when you sit for family photos, right? I mean, you, you, you work for an hour to get one good picture, right? I mean, the, the one that gets put in the church directory or that you put on the Christmas card or that you send out to everybody, never mind all the other takes that you had or, you know, getting some candid ones of the kids climbing over you and, you know, angry faces and pointed fingers, and, but, but then you get that one. <laughs> and then that's the one that you share as if this is what we look like all the time. Well, and, and not knowing it, uh, recently in a staff meeting, not knowing that this is where I was going to go with some sermons, our minister of music, Alan Barbie, shared something. He, it was his turn to do the devotion. And uh, he shared something that connected, I felt like, very deeply with um, what I was going to preach about today. So I want to read a little bit of it. I say you didn't know that unless you're that much in my head, uh, which, I, which I don't know. Maybe you are. But, but, but this is what Alan shared with our staff, and I want to share it with you. He said, most all of us have access to social media. People post all their successes and accolades. Their kids are lovely and the family unit is perfect. Even if you don't use social media, you see people and families come to church on Sundays. Generally, they're all made up and put up a lovely front while they're here. Hopefully, we all realize that this is just the surface. So much more is lying underneath. And my intention for the next couple of Sundays was that we might here at the beginning of the year take some time to consider the unfiltered self that is lying underneath. And one way today to consider what it looks like to drop some of the filters on what we put out into the world and share And then next Sunday, to turn that around and consider what it would look like to drop some of the filters on what we take in and receive and hear from one another. Now, the New Testament writer, Paul, knew a thing or two about these filters that we use in our lives and what we present to the people around us. So I want to read for us this morning something from one of Paul's writings. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 7 through 10, and we'll put it up on the screen so you can follow along. This is what it says. I was given a thorn in my body because of the outstanding revelations I've received, so that I wouldn't be conceited. It's a messenger from Satan to sent to torment me so that I wouldn't be conceited. I pleaded with the Lord three times for it to leave me alone. He said to me, my grace is enough for you, because power is made perfect in weakness. So, I'll gladly spend my time bragging about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can rest on me. Therefore, I'm all right with weaknesses, insults, disasters, harassments, and stressful situations for the sake of Christ, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In that passage, the first thing Paul says is, I was given a thorn in my body because of revelations that I've received. 
So to put that in good context, if you went to read the first part of this chapter, you'd read Paul talking about a man he knows who had had an incredible out-of-body experience with God. Most theologians believe that who Paul is talking about when he says, I know a guy who had this amazing experience with God that he's writing actually about himself. But in an effort at humility, he talks about it in the third person to say, well, I know somebody who's had this incredible experience. He says, somebody who's been to paradise, who heard unspeakable words from the Lord. Karl Barth says that Paul wrote it this way so as to distance himself from any praise or boasting about himself when talking about this experience. So he says, I know a guy. And the reason he names that experience and names it in that way is because one of the things that he's addressing with the Corinthian Christians is the fact that there are people among them teaching, leading, preaching, who are saying, you should listen to me because I have had amazing experiences with God. My life with the Lord is incredible. Maybe we'd hear it like, I've read the Bible so many times, and I've been to the Holy Land more than once. Me and God are like this. I know God and God knows me. I've got it figured out. So listen to what I'm trying to say. And into that kind of experience and presentation, Paul says, you know, I know a guy who has had that kind of experience with God. Heard unbelievable, unspeakable things, been and seen paradise. But that's not what we boast about in the Lord. That's not what we lift up. That's not where we find anything to brag about or to proclaim or to shine light on. Our great experiences or vast knowledge or importance. Rather, Paul says, I, I know a guy who's had an experience like that, but what I'm boasting about is the thorn in my body that's been given to me. And Paul says it was given to him to keep him from being conceited to keep him from being proud, to keep him from being so full of himself and all that he might think that he knows and understands and can teach and should be listened to for all of the experiences with God that he might be so proud of. He says, I was given this thorn to keep me from going to that place of boasting, bragging about myself. Lifting myself up in front of others. He says, instead, I've got this thorn. And he says, it was given to me by the Satan. The tempter, the evil one. Not by God. 
that's worth noting. He says, this thorn that's put in my side is not something that God has given me. It's something that the tempter has given me. As an attempt, as a way to keep Paul's witness down. To keep him in question. To keep him stymied. I appreciate that Paul doesn't name what his thorn is, by the way. I mean, that's something that volumes have been written about and theologians have discussed and researched to try to speculate about what it was that was Paul's thorn in his flesh, in his body, in his side. He, he doesn't name it. And, and some believe he doesn't name it because the people he was writing to, the Corinthians, would have been people that knew him and he knew them. And so they, they would have known what it was. And he didn't have to say anything more about it other than, you know, I, I've got this situation or this condition but also there's something about the fact that it goes unnamed and undescribed that, that really opens it up to all of us. To reflect and consider the thorn that we may carry. And I said there's been all kinds of speculation. Was it physical? Was it something in his body? Something that was physically limiting to him? Something it's his sight because of him being blinded on the Damascus Road? Others say maybe it had to do with his ability to write because there are a lot of things that were written for Paul. Maybe it wasn't physical at all. Maybe it was something psychological, emotional. We don't really know other than the fact that Paul says, I have this thing that's been given to me that sticks in me even to the point that it could cause me to doubt or question my own faith, my own relationship with God. I just wonder if there's anybody in here today that might could relate with Paul's experience of having that thorn that sticks with you. That at our worst or at our lowest the tempter can use as a way to say to you, you know what, that, no, what you think you got with God, you don't really have. No, you, you don't really have that story to tell. You don't really have that experience with the Lord. You don't really have that depth of witness, of testimony to who God is. That thorn. But then Paul goes on to say that it's that very thing, that very thorn, that becomes the place where his witness has greatest strength. I love the way that the message translation says it. It says, Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he in fact did was push me to my knees. And the implication there is to my knees in prayer. That it was this very thing, this very thorn, this very weakness was the place where Paul met God in a way that he never would have in his boasting, in his pride, in his accomplishments, in his successes. And so here Paul is writing to the Corinthians on a very personal level. He's opening up to the church. This is who I am. This is my struggle. This is the place in my life that 
gets to me to the point that I don't even know if I'm sure that this is all right. But Paul says, but it's in that place, in that thorn, where God's grace was made known to me. He actually says, I prayed that God would remove it. Remove this thorn from me. He says, I prayed three times. I don't think that literally means three times. Like he prayed once. He was like, well, I'll try again. Well, I'll give it one more shot. And he was like, no, okay, I'm done. I think it was more just Paul's way of saying, I prayed and prayed and prayed that God would remove this from me. And the answer he got from God to his prayers, because God answered his prayers, the answer he got from God to his prayers was, my grace is sufficient for you. In that place, that thorny place, in that weakness, in that shortcoming, in that pain, my grace is sufficient for you. I have to think, based on what Paul's writing here, that really the depth of Paul's prayer to God may not have been, God, just remove this thing from me, this handicap, this shortcoming, this weakness, whatever it was, physical, emotional, psychological. It may not have been just to remove that thing from him, but really it was that whatever this thing is that torments me, God, would you remove the power that it has in my life? the hold that it has on me to doubt and question who you are and who I am in you and what you're doing in my life and in our world, to doubt and question the depth of your love and your mercy and your grace for me. God, would you just remove that power that this thorn has in my life? And God answered his prayer and said, my grace is sufficient for you so that in your weakness, I am made strong. In fact, the celebration is that it was that very thing, that very weakness. Not only did God say, my grace is sufficient for you there, but it was that very thing that God then turned and used as a witness in Paul's life. It wasn't just remove this thorn, this weakness. It was that it is in that place of weakness where God's grace will abound and show up in ways that you couldn't make happen on your own. So that that weakness will become strength for the kingdom of God that is in that weakness in your life where God's grace shows up and fills in and that becomes the testimony to who God is in Paul's life, in our lives. Paul said the answer I got from God is that it's in the weakness where you find power and strength Not your own, but that of the Lord. Paul knew a thing or two about those filters. He had the choice. Do I put the filter on that says, hey, listen, I'm a godly person. I got it figured out. Listen to these things I know and these experiences I've had. I'm worth hearing. You need to follow me, line up. Look how good and right everything is in my world. Or do you drop the filter and just post the picture as it is? Or not the manicured, curated one, but the real one that says, this is my struggle. This is my shortcoming. This is my weakness. 
Because that's where the power of the presence of God, that's where the power of the grace of God abounds. And is made known in our lives and through our lives into the lives of the people around us. And this is maybe crossing over into personal opinion, but I think it's got a good biblical basis. Uh, I'll say for my own self, in the times and the more often that I find myself willing to drop those filters, sort of be unfiltered about my life, my, my weaknesses, my thorns, my struggles, And to be open, to be aware of the presence of the grace of God for me in those moments in my life. Such that I don't have to look like I got it all together in order to have a testimony to the goodness of God. But rather the testimony to the goodness of God can be in those very places of vulnerability and weakness. As I've been open to those kinds of experiences with God and with God's grace what I find is that I've become more open to acknowledging what it looks like to live a grace-filled life with each other. To know that as a recipient of God's grace, I can extend that same grace to other people. To know that if there's nothing in this world, if there's nothing in my life, if there's no weakness, no struggle, no shortcoming, no thorn that is too big, too strong for God's grace to show up and make a difference there and to give life even in the deadest feeling places. If there's nothing that's too big and too strong for God's grace to show up in my life, then there's nothing too big or too strong in anybody else's life for God's grace to show up. And do the same kind of thing. Such that then, not always, but on my best days, that I'm relating with others with grace. God's grace. I was reading a commentary about this passage and um, I read this from Garrett Green about how we experience this together As a church, he said this, The Christian community forgets that Christ's grace is sufficient for it every time it seeks to secure its existence in the world by means of its own strength and influence. Every time it allies itself with worldly power rather than allowing Christ to be revealed in its weakness. This is where the gospel of Jesus Christ turns our world upside down. That it's not in our successes. It's not in the things that we've done so well or so right or that we think we ought to be honored and revered for and respected for where we find the movement of God's grace. Rather, it's in our weaknesses. It's in our shortcomings. It's in our struggles and in our pains where God's grace shows up and says, in your weakness, that is where my power abounds. Oh, that we would be a people who would relate to each other. Dropping those filters to acknowledge and admit our weaknesses, our need for God's grace. That we could then share and extend to each other 
in the community of faith and beyond. All right, so we're heading into a new year. I wonder. Anybody a a thorn you carry? Maybe one you've prayed about, prayed to God about, and you carry it all the same. Maybe your prayer has been, God, would you take this away? Remove this from my life. Who knows what it is? You know, it's entirely possible that God's response in grace is that it's right there in that place in your life where I'm ready to show up and do something. Not just remove it, but make it into your testimony of God's love for you. And oh man, for each of us to go there with God, to go there with each other, to have that kind of community that is our witness and our testimony to our world. That sounds like the kingdom of God. In just a minute, we're going to sing our closing hymn, It Is Well, With My Soul. I don't know that we could sing more fitting words so that we might all have a moment as we sing to reflect. And even in the turbulence of our struggles, the thorns, our weakness, that God's grace is there to even make that place well and make it our witness and our testimony. I want to invite you to give God a moment in that place in your life today. Maybe consider what it would look like to drop those filters. Somehow we've confused faith with perfection and we think that if we're good, faithful Christians then that means we've got to look like we got it all together. Well, no, it means that we acknowledge that we don't have it all together and nobody does and that not all together place is where God's grace goes to work. May that be true for us today. And I want to invite you, if, if you don't have a community of faith that you call home, a place where you can be a part of that kind of living together with other people, just defined and empowered by God's grace, I want to invite you to consider Shambly Methodist as that place for you where we can drop those filters together and be who we are in Christ If that's something you're interested in, you can stop at either one of the desks on your way out the door or come find Pastor Stacy or myself and we'd be happy to talk with you more about that. But in this moment, as we sing, would you consider what it would be to drop that filter for you? We stand and we'll sing, It is well.